Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver Sports Travel. I'm Ben James and today I'm joined by our rugby writers, Simon Thomas and Andy Howell. Good afternoon, chaps. The old guard are back. Well, yeah. Yes, back with young Ben. <laughs> and what a week it's been. Indeed, what a week it has been. There's only one place to start, and that is with the new Welsh Rugby Union policy, the 60 caps policy. Obviously, Rhys Webb is the big casualty. And before we hear from you two, we're going to listen to Warren Gatland. He faced the media this week. Here's what he had to say. Well, I think it's for everyone just to try and simplify um, what we've had in the past, and it was a little bit difficult for everyone to understand when we had the wild cards and you know who could be selected whether it was two three or four players um you know from a wild card situation and and then we had different exceptions so this this policy in place is just to make things a little bit more black and white so people understand and the players understand what uh, the significance and is of the policy and um if you, if you decide in the future to to leave wales and and as much for um the public and everyone else to understand uh, the new policy so uh, fingers crossed it can work. I think it's uh, it's something that we've put in place, and, and we're hoping that um, you know this is uh, a policy that that is successful, uh, and we'll know that in a, in a few years' time. We we'll just hope that the number of, of caps is right in terms of trying to, to retain players here in Wales and, and keep them here, and to attract players to to come back and play in Wales as well. So obviously interesting stuff there from Warren. Uh, Simon, just talk us through this new policy then. Well, you know. I can't really be critical of it because it's the one I've been calling for for about the last year. Um, Same as law, they call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. <clears throat> the thing is, I mean, I've said on here a number of times, I've written a number of times, Gatton's law has been given a number of years. My view is it just hasn't worked, it didn't work, it wasn't fit for purpose, too many caveats, too many clauses, too complicated, and basically didn't stop the exodus of players. So there was a general agreement, we needed to look at something new. I felt that the Australian style system where you can play for Wales if you're in XL as long as you've had 60 caps. So if you're in England or France but you've got 60 caps, then you can play for Wales. And that indeed is what they've gone for. Uh, we were kind of expecting that announcement on Monday because we knew the press conference was called. What we didn't see coming was the, the element of how it would be implemented in the short term immediately. We kind of thought that it would only impact players who would have signed deals after the announcement. As it turned out, it's not worked that way. It's based on current circumstances. So it means although Daniel Bigger and Reese Webb have already signed deals to go to um, Northampton in Bigger's case and Toulon in Reese Webb's case, um, they are not, um, you know, unaffected by this new rule. Uh, Dan Bigger, as long as he gets four caps, will be okay because he's got 56 caps. So he's very close to the threshold. But Reese Webb has only got 28, and uh, it doesn't take uh, Carol Vorderman to, to work out that uh, he's not going to get the 60 by next season. So he's no way of getting to the threshold. So because it's based on current circumstances, and his current circumstances, he's with the Ospreys, he's not protected from it. Next season he'll be with Toulon, he won't be able to play for Wales, and that's when the bombshell started to go off and the shockwave centre around Welsh rugby. And, well, I think we'll probably talk about it again. I've spoken to Reese. we can speak about that in a moment. What, what do you think, Anne? What's your thoughts on the policy? Yeah, I think generally the policy's uh, uh, pretty good. You know, in an ideal world, I'd like a situation like we've got in New Zealand and England where they don't pick anyone from outside Wales, but I think the financial reality means that we can't go down that road. 60 caps, maybe 65 caps. Uh, number of games would have been about, you know, it's about right for me. Uh, but like you know, but I am very surprised that uh, Reese Webb has been caught in this uh, in this web. 
Because I thought it would come in from your, your you know, uh, it would come in. He's already committed to Toulon. He saw it say, sign a heads of tumors agreement. Well, what has he signed? Um, well, he signed, signed a bit of piece of letter. Well, according to Gatlin, <laughs> no, according to Gatlin, letter, letter in, in tent and then uh, or an heads of uh, you know heads of agreement. Uh, That's the bit where it's yeah. more a bit vague. There was yeah, I spoke to Reese and I spoke to Darren Jones's agent yeah. and they're adamant that he signed. Yeah, it depends on well. So is uh, uh, the Toulon owner who said uh, the WIU can buy Marcus got the, his, his contract if they like, we'll as check. long as they yeah, as long as they send a certified check. <laughs> uh, so you know, fun and games. Um, of course, Reese, Reese now would he, would he want to pull out of that uh, contract, or will he be more entrenched in the real? He thinks that uh, you know he's been treated shabbily, and will that make him more determined? Uh, to yeah. go to Toulon. I've spoken to him at length this week, um, you know, just chatted over the whole situation. And what he has told me is that, you know, um, when he signed, he didn't know that the this was coming in when he signed for Toulon. Um, and that he thought because he, looking at it now, because he signed prior to the announcement that he would be fine. That clearly isn't the situation. He, you know, he's pretty gutted. It means a lot to him playing for Wales. And I do really feel for him um, I don't think it needed to be done this way. I think the policy is a good one. I don't think that they had to do it in a way that previous uh, contracts weren't weren't you know binding. Uh, they could have just said, look, right, we start from here. This is a new start now. Any contract signed after this point, you know the score. If you go, you lose out. I think it would have been still seen as a, a positive policy with what was without what's happened to Reese. But I guess from the other side of the coin. The one thing the union has been criticised for consistently when it comes to Gatlin and Law is that it didn't have a bite, it didn't have a deterrent. One of the big issues was there wasn't a high-profile casualty. And I think probably the union, I don't know whether, you know whether they set out with this in mind or the way it's just worked out, but they clearly were keen to show that there were going to be no exemptions for this, no get-out clauses, and that it was a serious policy which they wanted people to take it, seriously. And by having like the high-profile casualty in Reese. It has sent out a message, and people are immediately seeing that they mean business now. Would it have been possible to use Ross Moriarty well, as a casualty? Because at least then, you know, well, well, potential his, casualty. His, his potential his contract well, up he, at the end of the season. Then he's, you know, he's, well, got he, time he's to still a potential casualty anyway, isn't he? They clearly wanted something immediate. Well, they, yeah. they, I think they were keen for it to send out a message immediately that there were no exemptions. Uh, yeah. And unfortunately, Reese has been caught in the middle, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Where the Welsh supporters will be uh, dismayed is that Reese is one of our uh, top players. And, you know, he's been the standout uh, uh, scrum half, or Welsh scrum half, very good on the Lions tour. He really is a key player. And uh, the WIU also running a risk here with Dan Bigger. Say Bigger picks up a serious injury. No, out for the rest of the season or whatever. Doesn't get those extra four caps. He's going to be caught in the trap as well. If you were so Reece, then it would become really interesting, wouldn't it? If you were Reese and you could get out of this deal, what would you do? Well, I would per- personally, I would be, I would be hardened by how peers to be treated over this, and I would say, oh, stuff it, I'm after too long. Do we think Reese will feature in the autumn? Oh, I, if I were Wales, I wouldn't. If I were Wales, no, they, you know, they got to look. It's a good point the there, future, Ben. Good point, Ben. Uh, <laughs> Wales got to look the future. What, what, what's their objective this season? Is it this season or the or the World Cup? If they're looking at the World Cup as their objective, two years time. 
uh, you know, they shouldn't pick him this order. And the other option would be to have him in the squad, but maybe start with Gareth Davis. And then you've got the option yeah, but, of an experienced one off the bench. If they wanted to say, well, Gareth, you, you're here now, you're going to be our World Cup scrum half. I don't know. It'd be fascinating to see what they do. They're going to have to develop another scrum half, aren't they? Can't just have, just can't have Gareth Davis and Reese Ware because Thomas, you've got to yeah, develop those boys. Give them a, I think he'll be in the squad. But I think you will see him probably getting hey, less time. If he's not on a squad, might be a big hit in his pocket, doesn't it? Because to play for Wales and win matches and all, it's virtually te- almost 10 grand a game. What about, I mean, you know, um, the element now, though, of the players who are outside. If you, Let's put yourself in the mindset of Ross Moriarty now. Coming to the end of his contract at Gloucester, British Lion, really big impact in his first couple of years of international rugby. But he's played all his club rugby in England. What do you do in his shoes? Come back to Wales. Play in Wales Move if on. you want to play in the, <laughs> want to play international rugby, pistol. which I'm sure he will. Do you think he will though? Well, he'll surely you want to play, and it's the biggest buzz of all. It's playing international rugby, aren't it? And, it, and it's quite uh, you know he gets quite a lot of money on so top what, for that. So what we're saying is, I don't think Ross Marriott is going to be going to get any more money in France than he would in England. And Gatland, he claimed this week, that Liam Williams has gone to Saracens for less money than he could have got in Wales. Well, the suggestion is that Taj Byrne has, has gone to well, he wants to, play for uh, gone to Munster for less money than was on your table for Scarlet. So what we're, what we're seeing, basically, is that with other countries, um, Sam Underhill left uh, mm. the Ospreys because he went to play international mm. rugby for England. Byrne's done it because he wants to play international mm. for Ireland. So I guess you will now see just yeah. how much it, playing for Wales means to Welsh players. Yeah, you don't, you know... Pe- there might be, there seems to be a misconception out there among some that, you, that though you just play for Wales for nothing. We don't play for Wales for nothing. You're really well paid for playing for Wales, as you are more well paid for England. So on top of their regional salaries, you can earn an extra hundred grand a season. Well, you're supposed to be playing for playing for for Wales. I would have thought. Well, sorry, Art. He wants to become a world star. Started off uh, promisingly. So why don't he, if he comes back to Wales, he could Welsh rugby be a heck of a boost. Here's a proposal then. Why don't career? we say that um, Wales match fees in future will only be paid to home-based players to give an extra reward for loyalty. Uh, don't Whereas go down our route. overseas players then would get suitably recompensed with their big salaries away no, from Wales. No, we, they tried that in 1996 when the game went pro and Scott Cornell went on strike. <laughs> refused to play for Wales and a businessman called Jeff Cartwright uh, agreed to pay for Scott Cornell to, pay for, uh, to play for Wales. Uh, so you straight away you'd have a split in the camp when you're between the ones who are getting paid and the ones who are not getting paid. So that is unworkable, I'm afraid. <laughs> I just wanted to hear that story again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've, uh, yeah. The other thing, the, oh, just sorry, one yeah. other thing, honest Reese Ware, because according to the uh, Gatland and the WIU, this is not the union's fault. All this, this is all being driven by the regions, and you know they've sort of forced this uh, policy through. The regions wanted seventy caps. Uh, union got well, Gatland 60 cap deal and uh, because the unions quite rightly in my opinion want to protect their interests and protect the regions because if it was an open door policy we might not have many players left in uh, Wales so that in that like you know if that was the case the regions might as well pack up I just give up on pro rugby I spoke to a couple of players this week and um, one point that was I won't name any names but one thing that was raised to me was that the, there's a few of them that are saying, well, there's a lot of players who've given a lot of service to Welsh rugby at regional level, six, seven, eight years, maybe just below that Wales uh, regulars, maybe got half a dozen or a dozen caps, still got ambitions to play for Wales, and have given just as much to Welsh rugby in a sense as others, you know, uh, and yet then that's not been taken into consideration in this ruling. Now, a way of doing that would have been to have had 60 caps or 150 regional appearances then making you exempt and allowing you to go 
but they've decided not to do that. Now, interestingly, how many regional appearances has Reese Webb made? 148. So by the end of this season, he'd have gone past the 150 mark. I think they've decided in the short term to go for the simplicity of just the 60 cap element. Hopefully, perhaps in years to come, they will look at it and say, are certain players being not, not rewarded for their loyalty at regional level? And perhaps you should bring in 150. Now, yeah, but, but those are the type of players who, who, who uh, clubs in England would want to sign. Exactly. And, and if they sign those players, would they pay them actually any more than they get in Wales? Is the salaries in England more than salaries in Wales? Well, it depends what type of player. There's a lot of mediocre players in Wales who have been rather well paid, in fact, overpaid. So what I'm saying is, in England, yeah. mediocre players in England, so, what sort so of wage are they on? I'm not saying. I'm what well, I'm saying. The sort yeah. of player you're talking about, Mr. Loyal and all that, yeah, yeah. who perhaps doesn't play for Wales or has had a couple of caps when he's been in injury crisis or something. Is he really going to get any more for playing in England? And in well, Wales? he wouldn't go if he didn't, would he? No. Well, I suspect he wouldn't get any more. And it's individual cases you don't know, do we? Well, there we go, of course. Uh, <laughs> and died a bit of a death. Of course, the other news that came out on Monday that sort of slipped under the radar is that Rob Howley does not appear to be on the three-man shortlist, according it, to Mr Gatland. That was big news, wasn't it? Which was, uh, uh, you know, was uh, announcing it that day. Oh, Gatland announcing it on a, seemingly on Howley's behalf was a really good, shrewd move. So, uh, to, uh, so it'd be low profile because it was overshadowed by other events. Uh what it says to me is that uh, uh, that Howley has uh, probably uh, been uh, told by the WIU that he's not going to get a Wales job in succession to Gatlin. So this is uh, you know Gatlin saying, and from his understanding, Howley said all along he's going to leave uh, Wales when uh, Gatlin does to pursue opportunities elsewhere. To me, that is a bit of a, uh, is a you know is a bit of making it. Uh, making what would be a blow uh, a bit easier because Howley, you know, two years ago Howley was the uh, odds-on favourite to be uh, Wales coach, you know, in the eyes of the WIU at that time. Of course, there has been a regime change at the top of the WIU, so the new regime might have a, uh, a different view. Of course, the other thing, can't totally rule it out either. Gatlin might have said this, take all the t- take all the questioning of Howley away, do you want a Wales job, etc., etc., and then uh, perhaps all of a sudden out of the blue we'll find out that Ole uh, is his successor although I got a feeling the, uh, the WIU are going to uh, look elsewhere and start afresh yeah it's interesting I mean this three man shortlist I think first came up at last Sunday's AGM which you right. attended and that, that surprised us as well because we're talking 2019 it's a long yeah. way ahead to be talking about that and the suggestion is that the new person will be named next summer next, next summer, summer yeah. long, well I suppose Scotland did it didn't they with Vern Cotter he, he was announced a year before he could yeah. take over as he saw the final year of his term at Claremont wasn't it mm. um Interesting, fascinating to see who's going to be on that list. I mean, his name's been mentioned already. Dai Young keeps getting mentioned. Dai's uh, came out with a classic uh, uh, statement at his press conference yesterday. He's fully focused on Wasps. And, uh, yeah, but his contract with them is up, isn't it? Just about at the end of that uh, season going into the World Cup. And he's always said he's got Wales ambitions. Da- so, uh, you know, I suggest that Dai probably will be on the Dai, list. Dai's obvious candidate. Isn't Stephen that? Jones, who worked with him at Wasps and has done an excellent job as assistant at the Scars. Could he possibly work with Dai? Dave Rennie is a man who's obviously going to get mentioned who's a um, world class coach and we're seeing it now with Glasgow what he's done there having come on board and been previously won uh, two Super Rugby titles with the Chiefs I think Andrew's uh, on their second stroke through the team Ahmed Wales yeah <laughs> and then Vern Cotter himself interesting to see where, where he'll be I mean well, it, let me just tell you just uh, <laughs> you know Vern Cotter is regarded as a dark horse to succeed uh, Steve Anson as New Zealand coach two out and out favourites 
looks like Ian Foster, if things cut, is got a hands assistant, if things keep going on swimmingly well for the uh, All Blacks, or Joe Schmidt, with Vern as a dark horse. Down, who down would, you, who would you like to see as next Wales coach? Dave Rennie, young progressive uh, coach, always gets the best out of his teams, mm. um, always gets them playing, gets the best out of them, maybe even bunching above their weight, and uh, and he's and he's proven already he's a, he's he's a winner. Yeah, and interesting to see what the salary that the union are prepared to go up for, because obviously the higher the quality you get, the higher the salary goes. Yeah, but they're going to pay him any more than they pay more Gatland. You know, he's on much money. On then? He's on a bit lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> he's on. I tell you how much he's on now uh, because he told me before. <laughs> he told me. He's on. A, no, he's on approaching half a million. You know. There we go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But well, he has to put up with us, though, doesn't he? Is he? <laughs> I, I for that type of money I put up but you pay for less a lot less <laughs> I'm learning that the hard way mm. so on to the rugby because there is rugby this weekend yes. more European action uh, we'll start on Friday night the Scarlets That's host a Bath what a game. Champions Cup must win what game. game what a game indeed must win yeah they did very well out in Toulon in their opening game last weekend a very tricky start I think they went 18 nil down clawed their way back into the game not so much in the points but in terms of the competitiveness and then after half time a real kind of scarlet style blitz a couple of quick tries and they they were leading Um, it was one of those games where Toulon just when the game was like in the balance they just got their juggernaut forwards going forward crashing up crashing up and it's very hard to stop them but you know from 18-0 down to come away with a one point defeat a losing bonus point you settle for that but it now has to be backed up at home to Bath that is an absolute which we use the must win phrase a lot but this this ticks that box and it's going to be a tef, tough test I mean you look at that Bath team Andy you know a lot of well familiar Welsh names on yeah, it they struggle, struggle mine against uh, Benetton last weekend so you're going for the Scarlets to win yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, the difficulty for the Scarlets, isn't it? They got a really short turnaround. I knew they had some battered bodies from over there last weekend because, uh, you, yeah, you had the um, the assault by the uh, too long juggernaut, particularly in the last uh, 15 minutes. And so the Dragons, you know, they had to soak up hell of a lot of pressure, yeah. do loads of tattling, and it is a short turnaround. Bath have got a good squad. Once they Bath have been fantastic this season, and like I said last weekend, they did struggle against Benetton. What was the score? But twenty-five nil, something like that. Didn't get a bonus something like that. Didn't get a bonus point. Only scored two tries. Um, it, mind you, Bath might have one eye on the Scarlets game as well. Yeah. Though Benetton, like Zebra, being vastly improved this season. Josh Lewis started last weekend, but Reese Priestland is understood to be fit. Yeah, well, I mean, Josh has been a great story, hasn't he? You know, he's playing sort of Premiership level, and all of a sudden he finds playing for Bath in the opening. Um, game of the, of the European tournament but it does seem as though Priestland will be back and he's been in excellent form for Bath this season there's a lot of threats there I talked with Sam Underhill earlier on and um, I see he was in the European team of the weekend again in the opening week and uh, he's, he's really hit the ground running with Bath and you've got Faletau alongside him and we're waiting to see on Francois Lowe whether he's going to be available obviously there's a sighting situation there uh, and we know the strength they've got. Ali Brew, what another great story. You know, he's playing for Bedwas, then, you know, seemed to be, you know, his career seemed to be dwindling away, and then he's got a chance at Bath, and he's scoring left, right, and centre. Could he even be in the frame for Wales? Recall, you know, no. So they got threats Jonathan Joseph, Watson. It's a big test, but the Scarlets play, can play fantastic rugby. We've seen it, you know. Scarlet, let's just point out a minute, mate. Scarlet's got some really good players herself. They have. Jonathan yeah. Davis, Lions man of the series, wasn't he? He was. Scott Williams played really well against Toulon last week. Steph Evans, 
on fire off very limited ball was so dangerous against Toulon must play for Wales this autumn the issue for me they've, they've had they've been lucky generally with injuries but they have had back row problems recently strong, Barkley yeah. hasn't played for a few weeks now we're waiting to see he's had this concussion issue how serious that is it's been, it's been a while now um, then they had to Will make Boyd is a, Will Boyd had to pull out late last weekend before yeah, which meant, which meant Josh McLeod well. came on and doing well uh, obviously James Davis is out and, and against such quality back row as Bath have got to be because Tad Byrne has played at 8 you Tad, see, hey, well. Tad Byrne was excellent last but, but is he better at 8 or 2nd row well possibly they need him in 2nd row don't mm. they I guess but he, he, but he chose he is a really good rugby player last weekend he was one of their best players incredible over there. his work rate Absolutely and his incredible. work rate is fantastic his tackling yeah. you know, you know he, what, he's a Good acquisition for. Uh, I think what moments, what right? is good this season is when they have had to make changes. You know, they, we all talk about the, the squad strength, and, and they've done well. You look at the Rob Evans doesn't play. Win Jones comes in, he's excellent. Yeah. Ken Owens is rested on the bench. Elias outstanding. You know, his carry and his work rate. Now, what they did last week was they kept key men in reserve on the bench. As I said, Ken Owens um, didn't start. Uh, Rob Evans injured. Rob Evans, we wait yeah, to see what, happen, what happens with him. Scott William, um, so Hadley Parks was on yeah. the bench as well. So they're going to probably maybe freshen it up a little bit this week, but it's just an absolute crucial game for them. It's going to be a cracker. Real is, cracker. is there still a question about game management? Because I think it's the, maybe the last three, four games, maybe Patchell's been taken off around the 50 minute mark, and either Hadley Parks or Paul Asquith has played fly half. Is there sort of question marks about how they close out games? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because if you look at their squad, the one position where you, we said before the tournament they, they didn't want to get an injury was Patchell at 10, um, because they've obviously got uh, perhaps a backup to that, which isn't the, the, the standard of some of their other positions. Uh, and what they've been doing is taking Patch off, you know, about 60, 65 minutes. And then, as you say, Asquith can play 10 or Hat Parks can step in at 10. Yeah, but Ben's it's got a point here, though. They've taken him off because clearly there must be an issue with game management. And they took him off against Conrad and they took him off, haven't they, in the last uh, the two games since, yeah. I believe. Uh, and when the game's been in a balance, well, if your, your top outside half is, uh, you know, driving the game. You'd expect him to stay on for the full 80, wouldn't you? That's what I'm saying. If you're chasing a game, it's different. That's why I'm saying the fact that they haven't got a specialist experience 10 on the bench is probably the one part of their squad that that did cause me concerns going into the tournament. They have got one in the squad, man. They gave him a new contract last season when he played really well. Dan uh, Dan Jones, he slipped off the radar and I believe he's playing for the Quins. Playing for Kamala Quins. Not Harley Quins. It doesn't seem (laughs) as though he's in the the frame at the moment, Mm -hmm. whatever reason. Uh, yeah, so you can see by Patchell's reaction when he went off last weekend, he didn't look that happy, and I don't blame yeah. him either. But he'll yeah. start. Or against he'll start, you know, and uh, needs a big game. Needs a, we need a big crowd there as well on Friday night. You really need to create a European atmosphere there, and uh, I can't wait. It's going to be a cracking game. But from finally, from what we saw, second half definitely uh, on was it Saturday or Sunday? Yeah, it was Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Sunday. That's Sunday right. Mine's, yeah. mine's gone blank. Uh, do you believe the Scarlets are credible contenders for this tournament? Because a lot of people have talked up as dark horses, myself included. They're going to have to, aren't they? They've got a few injuries already. They're going to have to avoid any more injuries, get some of those people uh, back to have a chance. Uh, because if they uh, get a couple more injuries up front, they're going to be in trouble uh, because their squad is not as uh, deep as the uh, French clubs or Saracens. No. Saracens the outstanding favourite once again. Um, so, you know, Scarlett's got a chance. They've got a chance to get out of the group. Get out of the group. Anything could happen, potentially. 
you know, potentially they could be semi-finalists, potentially. If you look, it's a massive ask, I think, for yeah. him to win a tournament when you look how loaded some of these other teams right. are. But if you look at the last five winners of the Champions Cup, there's two teams, Toulon and Saracens, they've dominated for the last five mm-hmm. years. In the last year, they've beaten Toulon at home, come within a point of Toulon away, really should have beaten, deserved to beat Saracens at home, by far gave Saracens the hardest game on the passage to them winning the trophy. And they're just building and building. I think this is a this is another kind of seminal moment. If they can go out and beat one of England's you know big name clubs, Bath, they've then got um, home and away games against uh, Benetton. Obviously stronger this year, but you would still hope for two wins. It's it's such a pivotal game in the season, and from the Welsh rugby as a whole, you know, we really, really need one of our teams to be vying for uh, contention for the, the knockout stage. Well, this was so, Gatlin's argument, wasn't it? The other day, the more competitive your regions are, the better. The more players will want to stay at those regions, the more chance of getting good um, foreign players to come to, to Wales to play their rugby. Because, like you pointed out, the reason some of them got Ireland and all is because they've seen the success of the Irish provinces in uh, in Europe, which I think is a valid point. Very valid point. Now we'll move on to the other team in the Champions Cup, and that's uh, the Ospreys. They travel to the Allianz Park to face Saracens on Saturday night. That's uh, good luck. Yeah, not an easy task, is it? No, it's not. I suppose the encouragement is that after another dodgy start against Claremont, they were much improved as the game went on. Got in within a real sniff of winning it. Some fine individual performers. We talked about Dan Lydiard, you know, this week how well he played. And they were certainly more competitive. Uh, and I certainly thought they were going to be after 10 minutes. I thought, oh, no, here we go. Um, but they, they need to be on an upward curve, given what's coming up this week. You know, I watched uh, Saracens against Northampton at the weekend, and it's an uh, absolute demolition job at Franklin's Gardens. That was the heaviest ever defeat that uh, Northampton oh. has suffered at Franklin's Gardens. And, got, you know, I think they've been here in years, haven't they, hasn't it? Oh, and Farrell was just tremendous. Um, they've got such strength in depth. They've given Northampton two hammerings this season now. It's well, well, somebody tweeted the other day, would Saracens win the Six Nations? If they kept their English players for the Six Nations, yeah. you think they would be able they to shout? They'd give them a game, wouldn't they? Mm. Yeah, so it's a real test for, for the Ospreys. But I think this campaign and this part of the season is about trying to get something back together because it's been such a difficult period for them. At least there were signs in that game last weekend of improvement. They've got to look to build on that and use... You know, playing at this high level perhaps as a, a springboard when they go back into the Pro 14 to play at a, a better level there. So I think after this game, it's Dragons, Dragons. then Edinburgh, isn't it? Yeah, so there's, you know, two yeah. targetable games. Yeah, I'm not going to sit on a fence all about the Ospreys' chances this weekend. I think it's going to be a bonus point uh, victory for Saracens. Talk about the Scarlets. I, the Scarlets last season, their first game in Europe was the Saracens away, absolutely crushed. Seen the Ospreys many times over the years. They've gone to England against English clubs. They've got a shocking record in England, and I've seen them outpaced by English teams, struggle to play at the tempo they play at England, and then get blown away. Two seasons ago in the European Champions Cup, went to Exeter, win would have put them through, and they got absolutely hammered. Just couldn't act the pace of the game, fell away badly in the second half. I just think the Saracens, I'm afraid, have just got too much for them all, all round and they could ship 40 points there. And of course, Liam Williams as well, he's really on fire at the moment. A couple of tries, the first one he took really well. 
Uh, but then when you look throughout their squad, you know, they've got Jamie George and Scott Shockbreath. You know, I think that sums it up for me. You look at those I'm two. looking forward to the individual battle line between uh, Alan Wynne Jones and uh, Toji. Although Toji played back over yeah. last week. Bigger and Farrell yeah. as well. Bigger and Farrell, you know, Bigger had a really good line still, and lucky not to be involved in the test. And the other thing is, what kind of mental state is Reese Webb going to be in? Exactly, that's a very yeah. good point. Yeah, but his gripe is not with the Ospreys, it's with Wales. It's no, I know, different. but obviously, how will he be able to put this, yeah, a, a, a tr- difficult week behind him, such a big game? Hopefully, he'll be able to do but, it. Mind you, a week's a long time in rugby, isn't it? You've been talking up Dan uh, Lydia for his performance this week, previous week. You know, he didn't have such a no. a good game, did he? he well, uh, against I, I the Scarlets, and he I, dropped I, off tiles and all. Colleague, really my colleague Mark Orders has been talking about, um, you know. A rebranding or a rebooting, yeah. or the, the, all of a sudden this big ball carrying back or forward, and it's good to see. It's good to see you know, you know coming back to form, Dan. Because yeah, you, against the Scarlets, you struggle, man. Yeah, it'd be good. It's good to see him sort of turning a corner, maybe because you know with the back row issues, you got Ross Murray yeah, still yeah. back. I mean, you need options at six, really, don't you? Oh yeah, you want him to be firing on all cylinders. Oh, in his case, the tractor being a farmer's son. <clears throat> I resent that comment. Uh, being one myself. Mm. Um, do you see a way that, like against the Scarlets, the Ospreys did manage to negate them because they simply sort of, for the most part, bullied them up front, and even though they were lacking behind, that's not going to happen against. I, I just can't see it happening against Saracens. No. So, where, where do they go then? Well, home after losing, probably to be brutally. Well, they honest. give it their all. They give it their all. They get everything it's out. Just a shot to nothing, isn't it? And then yeah, what happens? See what happens. Uh, you know, if they can, they've got to play, haven't they? Yeah, they've, they've got. got to, they've just got to play as well as they can in terms of the development. Mm-hmm. They've got to look now. Positive signs last week. We know we're up against a fantastic team, but let's try and use that as a motivation to yeah. lift our own yeah, game to play, another level again. Play rugby and have a go at them. Don't go there and kick the ball away and play like damage limitation. Go there and give it a go, and if they get hammered so be it exactly. but give it a go like they did in Claremont and Bordeaux a couple of years two years ago yeah. in Europe yeah. Yeah, it is a real real credit yeah it's a shot to nothing isn't it to give it a go yeah. Yeah. one little bit of positivity uh, Scott Bolden has been declared fit yeah uh, well he's um, obviously been through an interesting little yeah. period you know when you sort of um, I've spoken to him a couple of times over the last couple of weeks and uh, Number of operations he's had, and it was quite a you know, we, we see the full detail the, you know, the bite going right through his hand, the infection that came in, could have been a hell of a lot worse for him. And uh, just good to see him back fit and he can just get back to focusing on the rugby, you know, because he, he, he's gonna have to be careful, man, against Sazers, isn't he? Because there's a few lions in their team, uh, and, you know, and I told you he was the main man doing the talk. How long have you been waiting to say that? You've just made it up then. I've you, got jokes written down there or something, I think. Oh dear. So, one through the Challenge Cup Friday night. Toulouse versus Blues. Yeah, that's um, you're covering that one. Well, I mean, you know, the Blues were victorious last week. They're the the one Welsh team that um, that won, weren't yeah. they? You know, and um, Lyon are the French you know, leaders, and yet they came with a very changed team, as fairness. But I mean, the Blues, the Blues had about ten changes as well. Um, and you know, to get the victory, that's that's a, you know, bonus on on the back of the I mean, beating the Dragons. Um, and I think they are sort of slowly moving in the right direction, but now a way to Toulouse. Again, fascinating to see how Toulouse approach sort of, this well, game. Two things, what sort of team will the Blues pick and what sort of team will Toulouse pick? I think, Toulouse, I think Blues will pick the pretty much their strongest team. 
Toulouse went fairly strong against Sale. Yeah, because Toulouse, in fairness, they always take you seriously, don't they? I mean, I think this is the first time I can recall them being in the Challenge Cup. It's always been in the Challenge Cup. So it's interesting to see whether that would affect their mentality. But they went, you know, they went to Sale and they won. And um, the European aristocrats, and they will. And they go well in the French French Championship. Yeah. They're fourth, I think they're fourth fourth in the French Championship. So, yeah, real test for the Blues. And again, they've just got to to try and build on what they've done the last couple of weeks and start continuing to move in the right direction. I suppose the positive for the Blues was they threw in a couple of names who haven't really been starting recently. Garen Smith. Garen Smith was man of the match, I think. Thomas Williams got a start, and Lloyd's been starting a lot yeah, more Thomas, in weeks. Thomas, you know, I think it was only his second start of the season. Um, but every time he's come on, you know, he's, he's injected some things early, you know, and it's good, good to see him getting a chance, and he played well. And especially now with the scrum half situation with Wales, it's a real opportunity for him because, you know, he's, I think he's, he's, he's certainly highly rated by the Welsh management. I've watched him develop, and he brings a real zip to proceedings similar to Reese Webb. So I think he could certainly be a contender for the Wales squad for the autumn, depending how they view the Webb situation. Anything to add on that, Andy? I'd start with Thomas Williams, definitely against uh, Toulouse. I know uh, he's Gatlin and we've been talking about him for about three years. He had a serious injury, though. Uh, I think uh, you know he's highly regarded as one to watch. Just he needs more game time from the. Uh, from the from the start. Yeah, and the other one who was getting rave reviews, our colleague Matt Southcombe covered the game, and he and he tells me again, Ollie Robinson had a fine match. You know, he's been a real acquisition for them, and um, with Scott Andrews staying on for a couple more months at Bath, maybe hopefully there's there's leeway in the budget to keep Ollie Robinson on because he's been a you know a big plus, and uh, given the injuries to Warburton Alice Jenkins, really needed open side cover, and he's coming and done a fantastic job. Exactly. Uh, on to the final game of the weekend. That's. Dragons, their trip to Moscow to face NSA. Going for their first away win in uh, 18 months. Will they get it? Last season they, they lost the same team, didn't they? Same they opponents. In, uh, over there they were well uh, beaten. I think it's 38-18. Yeah, looking obviously it's different coach, different regime, different owners at the uh, Dragons. And uh, uh, Bernard Jack, when they coach Japan, is going to go fully loaded. So it's clear he's targeting this game as their, for their first away victory a little bit surprised by that uh, not in targeting the game but going fully loaded because of course they got the Ospreys in the Pro 14 the following uh, following uh, weekend and you know Russia and back quite a long old uh, journey will take something out of them uh, it's one of those games if you don't front up in and you're complacent you know you will come and, and stuck over there you're going to have to go over there and do a job uh, do a job early on it's interesting of course the Dragons are two away games starting Europe which, is in, mm. which isn't the format I think I would imagine it's to do with the fact that they're trying to p- play the games in Russia a bit earlier because of the winter conditions and here in Moscow the game's been played um, they got bonus by man last week didn't they yeah, I suppose yeah, the Newcastle they, so they went to Newcastle didn't they they yeah, played, they played know, well if they, if they win this game it enhances their prospects even better if they win and get a bonus point yeah, they're in really strong yeah, position NSI got a very good record at home so they'll mm. be a, a time in you know, the, the Russians I mean Krasnoyar beat Stade Francais last yeah. weekend you know so the Russians on their own patch and no mugs so it'd be a notable scalp given especially given they lost their last year and it would put them really in the hunt in this group I suppose the pleasing thing is the fact that they lost. I think it was 32-27 into a very strong Newcastle team. They had no Hal Amos, no Elliot D, Tyler Morgan, Jack Dixon, Leon Brown, Corey Hill. None of them played. Yeah, it's interesting to see how many of those will be back this weekend. Really, you know, because obviously well, Roger Jackman saying they're all going to be back. If that's the case, then you know they give it a real shot out there. Well, there we go. That's uh, that's all the regions discussed. Uh, just before we go, some predictions, I guess. Scarlets. Scarlets to, to win. 
I'm going for Scarlett's uh, victory. I think it'd be pretty close, but yeah, going for that. Going Os- for Osprey's Osprey. lose heavily. I guess Saracen's comfortable win. Blues? Uh, over there to lose. Yeah, I think the Blues uh, always give a good account. It's actually yeah. in Europe, don't they? They raise their game and uh, Blues play well in some places, yeah. you know. Blues I losing th- point. Losing bonus points. Losing bonus point. Yeah, yeah, I predict uh, to lose a win now, about 30 points to 21. Oh, your score predictions then. Yeah. And then finally, the Dragons. Dragons, it'll be chilly, and the Dragons will win. Uh, I think the Dragons, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just about say the, uh, say the Dragons, but say Moscow, my only concern is if President Putin turns up. Well, that's, 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 that took a left turn, didn't it? <laughs> and, he's a, and he's a fan. <laughs> well, uh, you can follow all the live updates on Wales Online and see if our boys get their predictions right. One final thing before we go, uh, just a quick plug. We've got a Lee Byrne podcast coming out, I believe it's this Friday, ahead of his new book. So uh, stay tuned for that. It is an absolute belter, I'm told. <laughs>